Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the What's Going On in Banking podcast. I'm your host, Ron Shevlin, Chief Research Officer at Cornerstone Advisors. And uh, with me today is Peter Davey, the Senior Vice President, Head of Product Innovation and Labs at TCH. Peter, thanks a lot for joining me today. Absolutely, Ron. Thanks for having me. Great. So the recent news and why I've asked you on today, Peter, is uh, the FedNow service from the Federal Reserve, which was announced a good number of years ago, uh, hit the news in March and is going to launch in July. I have been covering this for the past couple years in my annual What's Going On in Banking report. In the most recent report, we found that 30% of both banks and credit unions are planning to deploy real-time payments this year, uh, many of whom are planning to go with uh, FedDown. Yet 40%, actually more than 40%, it was 44% of those who are planning to launch this year say they still haven't deployed or developed a strategy for real-time payments. So I'm going to uh, ask you to uh, tell us a little bit about how banks should be getting into that. Uh, the top use cases that we found among the banks were account-to-account transfers and B2B payments. The credit unions being a little bit more retail-focused are looking at account-to-account transfers and expedited consumer payments as their top use cases. Before we get into that discussion, though, of what banks and credit unions should be doing to get ready for real-time payments, I want to read you a, a quote. It was a tweet from Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who announced his plans to, to enter the presidential race next year. And he tweeted, the Fed just announced that it will introduce its, quote, FedNow, Central Bank Digital Currency, CBDC, in July. He went on to say that CBDCs, quote, grease the slippery slope to financial slavery and political tyranny, and went on to write that while cash transactions are anonymous, a CBDC will allow the government to surveil all our private financial affairs, and a CBDC tied to digital ID and social credit score will allow the government to freeze your assets and limit your spending to approved vendors. Peter, what do you make of that comment? I mean, obviously, FedNow is hardly anything but a, a CBDC. Where do you think that that was coming from? And, and what's your take on that comment? You know, aside from uh, just kind of hitting my in my head and going, wow, what, what are these guys smoking? Um, I, I think the reality is there's just so much misinformation out there. I mean, you, you talked about the fact that there are a lot of financial institutions who really don't even know what to do with real-time and instant payments today. I think you take that into the political spectrum and you try to get those folks to understand what we're trying to do to modernize the infrastructure of the U.S. And you pull together things like Project Hamilton, which actually is a CBDC, right? A test of a CBDC. You pull things together like Fed now, and then you have some of the Federal Reserve Board of Governors who have come out and made wacky comments on both sides of it. And then you take somebody who just really doesn't even understand the space at all, obviously not getting the right guidance, and you pull that together and you get a bomb that just blows up in your face. Uh, and I think that's kind of what happened with this particular uh, comment is it, it was, I think there's just a lot of misinformation out there. And obviously this guy needs somebody on his staff who actually understands the uh uh, <laughs> the allocations of what's happening within the industry today uh, could definitely use a, a payments 101 course. So quickly, in a minute or so, if you are on the elevator with RFK Jr. and could set him straight on what FedNow is, what would you tell him? I think I would say, hey, you know, we are in a, a digital era. Uh, we need an ability to move money quickly uh, and securely between financial institutions. 
and the old infrastructures that have been in place for 40-some years, uh, even more with you include check, wire, ACH, uh, really aren't cutting the customer experience, uh, really aren't matching what customers expect. So being able to speed up that process, doing it with uh, complete transparency and with, with surety actually helps to bring more people into the financial services space as opposed to pushing them out of it. And it still has the same controls that we've had in place for years. You know, we're not necessarily reinventing the way in which uh, payment services and banking is offered to customers. That's not changing at all. What we're doing is actually matching the expectation of what customers are expecting. Uh, and that is through the ability to move money in real time uh, between customers and their financial institutions with final settlement. So let's get into the real meat of this, Peter. As I mentioned at the start, uh, nearly half of the financial institutions that I surveyed uh, at the beginning of this year, or actually this was the very end of last year, who were planning to go with FedNow and launch RTP in 2023, still haven't developed a strategy for it. What should they be doing to prepare themselves for real-time payments, What, uh, both from a technology and just from a business services perspective? Yeah, I mean, obviously, a key part of it is just educating your C-level uh, and your boards. I think the reality is, is uh, most financial institutions, especially community-based financial institutions out there, are really lending institutions uh, that really haven't had a stake in the payments game. Uh, they've they've generally relied on their core providers for details on why they should actually participate in certain schemes or offer certain products. And I think that education uh, has been somewhat lackluster from those third-party service providers in some cases. And if that's the only place that you're looking to get uh, educated on, I think the reality is a lot of these boards and C-level uh, folks within those institutions just don't have the level of awareness that they need to have about why this is a strategic input. So I think the first is just continuing to try to educate at that level. You know, I've said, you know, for years that the C-level of some of these community banks along with the boards just don't have the right makeup and mix to truly understand even the modernization of technology in some cases, which is why you see the ones that are more progressive already moving toward real-time payments, already having that infrastructure in place versus the ones that are just kind of sitting there waiting for something to happen uh, on, on their side. Uh, so I think education is one, but kind of thinking about that strategy, I mean, if we have any of those folks listening today, which I know that you do have a fairly wide audience of folks and diversity that folks and people listen, I think it's just really understanding what the customer needs are. And part of the challenge that we have as payments professionals within this space is that we talk in payment speak. We don't necessarily talk in customer speak. So what are your customers asking for? Well, nobody's asking for FedNow or RTP. Um, although there are now, we're seeing in the business uh, space, there are people actually asking for FedNow or RTP because they're generally getting better education now through through their, their uh, various different channels. But it's what do your customers need? Well, do your customers need the ability to send money in real time or near real time uh, to their counterparties? Yes. Do customers want to have a three or four day delay in transactions that they're trying to accomplish today, whether it be a bill payment, whether it be an account to account transfer, the answer is no, right? So how do you fix those fundamental problems and meet the customer needs? And I think that's something that a lot of financial institutions are just starting to get in touch with, especially on the payment space, if, the, if, if payments isn't their business, um, although you can't really be a bank without payments being your business. But I think what you're, what you're seeing in that space is you really need to kind of fast forward into what does a customer need and then what are the tools that can actually match to help with that customer need. 
Well, let's split out the conversation, Peter, between the banks and the credit unions, because the banks do tend to be more B2B focused than the credit unions do. So from a commercial perspective, look, the reality is, is that the banking world has lived for a long time without real-time payments. So is this truly an imperative on the on the B2B side? And are there particular use cases that you have found to be more, I mean, you guys have been doing this at TCH, I think five or six years now. So what has been the uptake and the the more popular use cases and what has resonated with the banks you're working with? And I also want you to get into the technical side. What have they done? I think the education you point to is important, but I'm really concerned to understand from a technology perspective, what do the banks need to be looking at and thinking about in terms of getting ready for this? Yeah. So let's talk with about the uh, let's talk about the business end of this first, and then we'll get into the technical end because I do agree that that's an important aspect of trying to drive this forward on the business end, especially in B two B payments. We felt that originally within the RTP network, when we launched this thing in 2017, that B two B payments would be the primary payments that start to move over to um, to to the network. We were grossly mistaken. A lot of it ended up being B two C payments as kind of the first genre in there. And what we recognized was that financial institutions still needed time to be able to actually fully offer up all the capabilities that you get with this brand new payment system. So whether it's RTP or FedNow, doesn't really matter. The capabilities are pretty much the same between both networks. The fact is that each person on the back end, each financial institution on the back end needs to do some lift to be able to make the elements in these payments available to their customers on both the send and receive side. And that ends up being the harder piece. Now, you fast forward from 2017 to now 2023, a lot of businesses are going through their own modernization processes. They're looking for ways to make payments pretty much frictionless within their back office. They don't want to do a lot of manual reporting. And that's really where financial institutions are now having to service those needs by creating API interfaces for ERP systems third-party integrators to be able to actually drive this more seamless economy uh, that a lot of businesses are starting to seek. For years, though, we've kind of fake and baked it, right? So uh, there's a lot of different concepts out there, people doing what they call guaranteed ACH. Uh, We're seeing this very highly in the bill payment space. There's a lot of folks that are in the large corporate end that are trying to get out of the payment space and just kind of outsource that risk to somebody else. So they're getting what they believe are guaranteed transactions already. And what you have to be able to do is say, okay, the extended benefit to doing RTP is actually in the customer experience. And then now that we have interest rates that are non-zero, also in the financial end for those businesses to now be able to accept those payments in real time. I think as we transition into the technical side, you know, one of the things that we had done very early on is we partnered with a lot of the third-party service providers and bank service providers that are out there to connect into the RTP rails. So when we talk about reach of the RTP network, you know, we obviously have you know over 65% of deposit accounts covered. Um, and I don't know that that's a great number in terms of like how you actually track who actually can receive an RTP payment. But it's, we have almost 90% of the market in terms of technical capabilities. And that means that we've actually at least done the integration for most banks to just be able to turn on the switch. Now, the funny thing about that, that's actually helping out the Federal Reserve because since they've already developed the ISO capabilities to connect to us, 
makes it much easier for them to connect into the Federal Reserve and their FedNow system as well to be able to also offer that as a complementary service to what they're already doing in the RTP space. There's a hurdle, though, because all of that is just on the receive side. And if you can only receive transactions, it's really not helping you out in terms of payments modernization or even data modernization within your back office processes. You also need the send side capabilities. And what we found within RTP and within a lot of these third-party service providers is they aren't enabling that final mile for the send side products, which is going to make it hard to actually drive adoption of network volume either on RTP or on FedNow, because if people don't have the access or the tools to be able to send transactions, then they're really just going to end up being net receivers of those transactions at the end of the day. So you're not, you're not modernizing the full procure to pay process that you'd want to be able to do within the B2B space. Uh, I was going to, I'm glad you brought that up because I did want to ask about the send versus receive because it does seem like a lot of the, the chatter I hear from a lot of financial institutions shows that they are planning to do receive but not send. But tell me again, what what's the downside of of doing that from a financial institution perspective? Why should they be as focused on the send as they are the receive? Yeah, so I, I think the reality is that the send-side products are really what customers are going to desire for their own transactions, right? So receiving a transaction, if I'm getting a payout from Allstate Insurance Company to myself because I just had a loss or a casualty on a car, I want to be able to receive that in real time and I want to be able to use that money. So then the question is, how do I actually get the ability to use that money? Yeah, you know, let's take a better example, uh, you know, potentially a flood at your house. If I'm getting that money directly from Allstate to cover the, the repairs I need to have done, and I have a whole bunch of folks who are coming into my house that don't actually take credit cards, how am I able to get that money to them in real time? Well, I can give them a check, but I don't really want to do that. I personally don't want to do that. Most of them aren't going to accept ACH. So how can we actually build those tools for people to be able to accept those transactions? Things like Zelle, I think, help. Things like the Chuck Network help. There are other opportunities to do that, but you have to be able to allow for that to happen in real time. And if I'm a plumber or if I'm a flooring person, I probably want immediate use of those funds now. And that's going to make it a lot easier for me to help service you as an end customer. So I think when you think about the send side opportunity, it's really about meeting the customer need and demand to be able to make an immediate payment for both sides to feel like they are whole and that there's not one person waiting out of the wind for that transaction to clear and settle. Yeah, great point. And I think there's a lot of B2B and commercial uh, use cases and instances as well. I think of like the construction business where, you know, payments are generally kind of held out until the actual work gets done uh, and then can take months for the for someone to receive the payment. So I, I think there's a lot of B2B components to that as well. Uh, last couple of minutes here, Peter, I want you to look ahead to the next couple of years and in the survey that we've been running in the past couple of years on uh, looking at RTP adoption, uh, a good number, and I don't remember the exact percentage, but a pretty good percentage of respondents anticipate that they'll be using both TCH's RTP service as well as FedNow. How do you see that uh, occurring over the next couple of years? Do you think it will be that uh, institutions will use TCH for some set of use cases and FedNow for another set? How do you see this evolving? I think there's multiple ways in which it can evolve. Uh, you know, obviously, the Federal Reserve and the Clearinghouse have been uh, cooperators and competitors in the space of payments for a very long time. 
Um, we both have check image systems. We both have uh, wire or high dollar transfer systems. We both have ACH systems. And those things interoperate fairly well today, whether they are on a technical side, like the ACH network, or whether they happen at the back office of a financial institution or their third-party service provider. So I think generally you're going to see that same dynamic come into the platforms between RTP and FedNow, which is the third-party service provider or the software provider for that financial institution is actually going to provide them the tools to connect into both networks. And you know, in a real-time manner, they're going to make a smart decision as to whether or not they want to send it over the RTP net network or FedNow. It could be as simple as this endpoint only exists on this network, or it could be a little bit more complicated as, hey, I get a better toll or better rate for being able to send it over the RTP network versus the FedNow network. So I think that's ultimately how it's going to happen. Um, and it's really going to depend on who has the endpoints. Uh, right now, being the fact that we have a network that's five years old, we have the endpoints. When the Fed launches in, J in July, the question is how many endpoints are they going to have and how quickly are they going to be able to grow those endpoints? I certainly believe that as folks are successful, like Fiserv's and FIS's and Jack Henry's, at selling uh, immediate and instant payments and real-time payments to their customers, if they're able to easily turn on both networks, I think you're going to start to see growth on both networks at the same time, as opposed to one kind of outpacing the other one. And then it's just going to come down to basic economics as to you know why I would want to use one over the other. Great. Last question for you, Peter. When the Fed goes live with Fed Now in July, what are you concerned? What could go wrong? Are there certain things that banks should be looking out for or waiting to see? What's what's the potential downsides here? Well, yeah, we went we went live in uh, in November of 2017, and we went live at two financial institutions, and then from there went to four financial institutions, and then to six, and then started to grow on the the multiples. I think the reality is, you know, the Fed is going to be brand new into operating this brand new service. You know, they've had this period of time where they've done, um, you know, their their lab environment with uh, with a few uh, participants that they've been testing things out. But it isn't until you actually run a system that you really understand the nuances of how you run that and how you connect people into it. I think the the hardest part is going to be the onboarding process in the Federal Reserve. How do I actually get people connected? The technology part is actually fairly easy for most of these financial institutions out there now uh, because of a lot of the work that we've done already and the Fed has been doing already. I think the harder part is actually getting them to sign all the papers, getting their operations in order in the back office. Um, and that's not just for the Federal Reserve to make sure that they have everything buttoned down because you don't want 25 financial institutions on there day one. That's That's actually a disaster waiting to happen. You want a few, you want to grow into it. And then from there, you also need to help the financial institutions who are connecting to you make sure that they're prepared to be able to drive these payments for it as well. So I think the, the the fits and the starts are going to end up being in, does the Fed actually have all the technical capabilities that they expected to have there? Um, or is everything operating the way they expect it to operate? And then ultimately, how do they actually scale the onboarding process to be able to bring more financial institutions and the onesie twosies they start with? Awesome. Peter Davey, SVP, Head of Product Innovation at Labs at the Clearinghouse. Thanks a lot for being on the What's Going On in Banking podcast. As everybody dialed in, thank you a lot for joining us. Look forward to seeing you on another episode. Thanks a lot. <laughs>